0: Well, if you would not mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament Book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs. And if you don't mind, Proverbs in chapter number 16. We're glad to see you and glad to have you today. The book of Proverbs, chapter 16. (laughs) The book of Proverbs, chapter 16, and we've been walking through this book of Proverbs and hitting some of these principles that we find in here, trying to walk through and trying to be a help. (laughs) And we're thankful for what these principles teach us. Now, we brought up the idea of pride before in an earlier proverb, where it spoke about that... (laughs) only by pride cometh forth contention. We're going to bring that idea up just a little bit later as a reminder of what that is, but we know that pride is one of the most dangerous things that we can experience, and it is something we experience quite often. So hopefully, if you don't mind. You found your place in the book of Proverbs chapter number 16, and let's look together starting at verse number 18. The book of Proverbs chapter 16 in verse 18, the Bible says this, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with a lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark a phrase that we find in the book of Proverbs chapter number 16. The book of Proverbs chapter 16, and notice with me in verse 18, that first phrase, pride goeth before destruction. Pride goeth. Before destruction. And if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, we're just asking that you would just give us wisdom and discernment as we open up this passage and open up your word, that we can learn more about what pride is, so we could identify it, we could see its effects. And we could also see the cure of what we could do to prevent and treat pride so we can walk pleasing unto you. We can walk in dependence for you and of you, knowing that you are our all in all. Even now, I dare not trust my own from my intellect, my ideas, my study, my preparation, I set all that aside and just ask that you fill me with your spirit and you guide and direct and you get your own work accomplished, Lord, and we can trust you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, in Proverbs chapter 16, the Bible gives a very clear declarative sentence, pride goeth before destruction. We can see that whatever pride is, it is something that opens the door to a path of destruction. It is through pride we destroy relationships. It is through pride we destroy opportunities. It is through pride we destroy our influence. It is with our pride we can even damage ourselves. Pride is a dangerous, dangerous animal. The Bible goes on and says, And a haughty spirit before a fall. A haughty spirit is the symbol of a prideful spirit. So it's not just that you have pride, but a haughty spirit is a spirit that permeates from you. You permeate with pride. I've got this. I don't need help. I don't need any advice. I'm the greatest That you have this idea that it just permeates from you and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, we're going to define it and then come back here for a second, but let's define what pride is. Hold your finger here and turn with me to another Old Testament book, the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter 2, now Habakkuk's found in what is called the minor prophets section. If you open your Bible towards the uh, later middle, you come into the New Testament. Well, the minor prophets are going to be the section before the New Testament. And we come to the book of Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk in chapter number 2 gives a definition of what pride is. Now, over the years, It's amazing to hear people try to define what pride is, and pride will get all kinds of different definitions. And some of them may be close, and some may be a good explanation, but let's see what the Bible describes as pride, so that way we have a clear understanding of what it is. The book of Habakkuk, chapter number two, notice with me in verse four, it says, Behold, his spirit, which is lifted up, now that's another description of pride, his spirit that is lifted up is not upright in him. Many, someone with pride is not right with God. It's not righteous. It's not the way it should be. But, notice this word, but the word, but is a language usage that means it's opposite. So it gives a statement and then it uses the word but, and it shows an opposite idea. Behold, the soul which is lifted up is not upright at him or someone with pride, but the just shall live by his faith. Some people see faith and they say, what is the opposite of faith? And they would say the opposite of faith is disbelief. Well, according to the Bible, the opposite of faith is pride. This helps us to get a definition of what pride is. What is pride? It is a lack of dependence upon God. Remember, that's what faith is. Faith is looking unto Jesus. It's putting my trust, my dependence, my thoughts upon him. Pride is not putting my pride, my dependence, my thoughts, my, my uh, works, my everything into God, my faith. So when we come back and define what, and describe what pride is, we know that pride has two major aspects. Now, the first major aspect is what most people go to. The idea that I don't need God because I'm so great. I'm so wonderful. Look at me quick. Someone touch me quick. Someone, someone, oh, that, that we see this idea of pride of self-dependence, self-reliance. I don't need God. Remember, pride is a false view of oneself. It is a lack of dependence or trust on God. Now, that's one aspect of pride, and that's the area that most people are familiar with identifying. But there's another view of pride that's just as dangerous... But it is usually gone unseen. What is this pride? It is a pride that says, I'm too useless. I cannot be used. No one likes me. God doesn't like me. I can't try, so why even bother? That is also pride. It is a lack of dependence on God. And so whether you have, quote unquote, good pride, look at how great I am, or you have The bad pride, oh, I can't be used at all. I can't do anything. Both of them show a lack of faith, a lack of dependence on God. Because in reality, I can't do anything without God. And as the reality thing, I have to have God to do everything in the first place and he could use anyone, including me, because he is that good. And so You say, which aspect do people have? Both. We usually have both aspects. Now, some lean more towards how great I am, but there's a whole lot that lean towards I'm very useless and no one could use me and I don't even know why I try. Both of those are pride. A false view of oneself coming from a lack of dependence on God. Now, Going back to Proverbs chapter 16. The Bible says that pride goeth before destruction. No matter which aspect of pride, both of them lead towards destruction. Whether it's, look at how great I am, I can do this by myself, we could very clearly see that person is headed for a fall. Very clearly, they're going to run into something that they can't handle, that they could not expect, or something way beyond their ability. But, The Bible says (coughs) that pride goeth before destruction. So you have someone that says, I don't want to bother God. Why should God notice me? I can't be used of God. I'm just useless. That also goes before destruction. You are going to destroy people around you. You're going to destroy your own life. You're going to see your life be without victory And that's not how God wanted you to live your life. He wanted you to have your life full of victory by trust and dependence on Him. A haughty spirit before a fall. Now once again, we normally picture the haughty spirit. Look at how great I am. Pride is permeating from them. But again, you could have a spirit that woe is me. How awful I am. Oh, no one bothered me. Everything I touch turns to to ashes. Oh, poor me. Both of that is headed towards destruction. Both of those are headed to a fall. Notice what the Bible says in verse 19. Better is it to be. So rather than having pride and rather than a haughty spirit and rather being going to destruction and rather going to a fall, better is it to be of a humble spirit. So now we've got to define our words humble. Now, if pride is a lack of dependence upon God, what is true humility? It is me recognizing I need Jesus. Being humble is recognizing my need of God, recognizing I need him. Better is it to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. The Bible says it's better to be with those who are not flashing themselves how great they are and how wonderful they are because we know where they're going to happen to them. Better is it for those people who are, <coughs> are saying, Well, I just can't be used of God. Better just to be with the people that say, I need Jesus every day and I got to walk with him. That's going to be the safer path. That's going to be the path that you're not going to fall off and be destroyed by. Now pride is a nasty animal. Pride is taking the glory that belongs to God and giving it to someone else. Whether it's the haughty spirit, God doesn't deserve the credit because I did it. Or God doesn't do any credit because my life is so horrible and it's so awful. It's not giving credit to where it's due. Now Most people have a besetting sin. What's a besetting sin? It's a sin that they struggle with. It's a sin they wrestle with. For some people, it's anger. Some people struggle with anger. They just can't get over it. Some people struggle with bitterness. And everything that they do, they're struggling with that. I will be honest with you, in case you've never figured it out, pride is my besetting sin. It is very easy for me to start being dependent upon myself rather than the Lord. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to preach to myself the rest of the time. And you guys just listen what God does and beats me up to it. And if you could apply something, that may be good for you. But I need this message because I know myself. It is so easy for me to walk away from depending upon God. I've got this. I've got this. You ever... You remember those days where you had a little child who was learning to walk and they've already got past the phase where you're like, come on, take a step. It's where they're starting to walk on their own and they're stable and you try to help them out and they're like, no, I've got this. (laughs) And they kind of stumble and then they fall and they get mad and, but no, I've got this. I've got this. Or a little kid who who insists, I could pour my own milk from the jug, you know. and I've got this. I've got this. That's what we do so often, a lack of dependence on God. A lack of letting God help us out. I've got this. I've got this. And when we get to that spot, we make messes. Milk pours all over the place. When we get to that spot, we fall over and and unstable and I've got this. We've got to be careful because pride is dangerous. Let's see what the Bible has to say about pride in the New Testament. Remember the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom in the Old Testament. Turn with me to the book of James in the New Testament towards the end of your Bible. This is the book of wisdom in the New Testament. The book of James... In the book of James, God takes much time to explain and describe to us our need to be humble and to avoid pride. It gives us this description and tells us what we could do about it. So again, if you don't mind, look with me and let's just see a little bit of what the Bible has to say about pride in the book of James. Then we will draw a practical application. Let's just read the text first, if you don't mind. The book of James, chapter number four. The book of James, chapter number four. And notice with me in verse number six. James, chapter four, and verse number six. But he, this is speaking of God, giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you you up. Service to God is all about increasing and lifting up Christ. And if we're going to increase and lift up Christ, it has to be less and less about us. In fact, the only way to work the work of Christ to do the service of God is in humility. What is humility? Humility is what we are in the sight of God and recognizing it. Zeb, come up here if you don't mind to help me with an illustration. In verse number six, it says, but he giveth grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. The idea of resistance is the amount of force to keep you from moving forward. So let's just say that he's gonna lean against me, all right? And as he pushes to me, I have to put more and more force to keep him in place. It is taking a lot more effort. And the more he tries to force himself, the more that he tries to get past, the more that he tries to topple me over, the more resistance has to go his way to keep him from moving forward. It is not gonna be long before I can't do this illustration with him anymore. All right, so he's putting a lot of force. And I have to, and you may not see it there, but this is a lot of effort here. He is tensing his muscles. He is pushing over. He is trying to win. You could try harder, maybe. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So good. And so he has to do it and in order to keep him in place. He has to be resisted more. All right. Now the Bible says God resisteth the proud. Have you ever noticed that the more that you try to get it done, the more you still like feel like you're staying in place, Amen. the more that you feel like you're not taking any ground, the more that you feel like it's not getting accomplished because of this verse here. The Bible says that God resisteth the proud, but God giveth grace to the humble. What does this mean? That means when we say, God, I need your help, God says, All right and he helps you. Now, not only is it taking less effort, God is helping him. So it's even less effort for him to get across. So he's not being resisted. He is being helped to get to where he wants to be because God resisted the proud. God resisted those who say, I've got this. I don't need God. I don't need you. I could do it myself. God says, all right, fine. I'm going to hold you here. But when we finally surrender, when we finally recognize I need God's help, God help me. I can't do this myself. God says, it's what I've been waiting for the whole time. I want to help you. Let's go. And now it's less effort. Not only are they being no longer being resisted, but they are now being helped by God to get to where they want it to go in the first place. This is a spiritual lesson we have every day. Every single one of us wrestle with pride. And all of us understand that illustration because we've been there. And by the way, we can desire something really, really, really good. But because we're trying to do it ourselves, we find more and more obstacles keeping us from getting to where we want to go. We just have to surrender and say, God, I can't do this. I need your help. And he says, fine, let's go. And we said, that was it. That was it. You were the problem the whole time. You just wouldn't trust God. You wouldn't depend upon God. The only way we can do God's work is through humility. Now, if you're writing notes, please write this down. Humility is not humiliation. Humility is not humiliation. There are some people who don't understand what humility is. Remember, humility is just quite simply dependence upon God. Humility is exercising faith. It is recognizing, I can't do it, I need God. Some people, not understanding what humility is, attempt to humiliate yourselves. So what they'll do is they'll beat themselves They'll starve themselves. They'll fast themselves to death. They'll afflict themselves in a special way. They will take cold showers without any warm whatsoever just to show I'm really serious about this faith life. That's humiliation. That doesn't please God. God's not looking for you to show how serious you are about God's work by hurting yourself. That's not the plan at all. What is fasting all about? Fasting is not trying to get God's attention by saying, God, I'm really serious. See how hungry I am. Fasting is not for God. It's for us. What does fasting do? It lets me realize how weak and frail my body is and that I need God. It's all about that. I need to trust in God. I can't do it myself. What is humility It's putting my dependence upon God instead of trying to trust myself, instead of trying to do it myself. It is getting to the place where I say, God, you're right, just tell me what to do and I will obey. How do we know that we're trusting God, by the way? Are you obeying? You could say you trust God all you want, but if you won't obey, you're not trusting God. You're still trusting yourself. Obedience is the key. Notice as we still walk through here, God resists the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. Pride is this struggling with supremacy. Who is going to be in charge, you or God? We must recognize that humility is the best friend we have in the work of God. This humility, it's not about me. I can't trust myself. I need to work with God. Remember, humility gets the attention of God. Notice this passage. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Remember submitting ourselves, putting ourselves under the authority with the intention of obeying. Submitting ourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why is that important? Because the devil's going to tell you over and over that you don't need to trust God. You could do it yourself. You could do this. Verse 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Notice this, humility gets God's attention. When we finally surrender and say, God, whatever you say, God, I need you, God, you're right and I'm wrong, it gets God's attention and he draws you close to him. We get closer to God because of our faith and our dependence and our humility than we ever could trying to pound it out ourselves. It says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. This double-minded is a big deal here. The idea of double-minded is carrying the idea that I say I'm going to trust God, but then I trust myself. I'm going to depend upon God, and then I end up trusting myself. Make up your mind, are you trusting God or are you trusting yourself? You know, it's one thing to say I'm trusting God, it's another thing to actually do it. And the Bible says that we're supposed to purify our hearts. You double mind it. Take a pick. Choose who you're going to serve. Choose who you're going to depend upon. Choose who you're going to trust. Verse nine, be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. All this is a poetical way of trying to describe that it's not about us, it's about God. Verse number 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. We humble ourselves and put our dependence upon him. Understand, humility is not an answer to prayer. Humility is our gift to God. Humility is not an answer to prayer. Humility is our gift to God. It is a purposeful decision for us to depend and trust God. And God says, this is what I wanted the whole time. For example, if you had someone that had a birthday coming up and you purposely chose things for their birthday that that you knew they didn't want, is that really going to benefit them any? Are they going to be pleased with those things? No, you know what will honor them the best to give them the thing they want it the most. God, remember that humility is always a do it yourself project. Some people say, God, I want you to humble me. God says, I'm waiting for you to humble yourself. You understand God can't force you to humble. Now he could put on circumstances to make you realize your dependence upon him. But just because he puts you through circumstances does not guarantee your humility. If you don't believe me, go read Exodus and see Pharaoh every time God sent a plague upon Egypt. He hardened his heart. He refused to submit to God. He refused to trust in God. Just because God puts you in circumstances doesn't mean you're going to humble yourself. Humility is a do-it-yourself project. It is your gift to God. I am choosing to surrender and trust in God. So Let's get to the meat. Let's get to the rubber hitting the road. Let's get to the practical. How do I humble myself and conquer pride? How do I humble myself and conquer pride? This is a good question. How is this done? All right. Here are some practical things for you. A whole list of practical things. How do we humble ourselves and conquer pride first of all humility begins with your first thoughts every morning humility begins with your first thoughts every morning what do you mean by this you should train yourself get in the habit of as soon as you wake up your first thoughts are i need you lord i need you lord once you get the sleepies from your eyes and your fog and the spider webs and the cobwebs or whatever crawled in your head last night, once you clear them out, your first conscious thought should be, Lord, I need you. I mean, don't even roll out of your covers without saying, God, left to my own devices or I'm going to mess up today. I need you. I need you. Help me not to even to step on this floor without first saying, Lord, I need you. You have to develop that habit, but this is what you do. If you want to conquer pride, if you want to live in humility, not humiliation, but humility, it needs to start with your first thoughts in the morning. God, I need you. Now, I don't know what type of sinners you are, but I know what sinners I am. The first thoughts of my morning, if I'm not careful, are not good thoughts whether it's how bad I slept or how awful I am or someone who made me mad and I didn't get over. You you understand, I'm not the only sinner in here. Right? Maybe I am. (laughs) But you have to get in the habit of saying your first thoughts on purpose. Lord, I need you. I need you. I can't even start my day off right at my own devices. I'm going to mess it up. I need you. What's the second practical thing? Stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Now questioning looks after that. Stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. What do you mean by this? Listen, your thoughts already go on to how great you are, how wonderful you are, or how inept you are, and you listen to those voices. Why don't people accomplish more? I just can't. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm able to. Oh, stop listening to yourself. Your heart will lie to you. You can't trust your feelings stop listening to yourself or if you suffer through the other side of pride oh how great and wonderful I am if you start telling yourself that long enough you start thinking it's true hey I'm, I'm the greatest everyone should acknowledge me oh I wonder how I'm going to be a blessing to someone today just by me being in their presence and I know I'm carrying it too far but you could relate to that stop listening to yourself Start talking to yourself. What do you mean by that? Self, you need to listen to God. Self, you need to trust God. Self, you're not as good as you think you are. Self, you're not as miserable as you think you are. Trust God. Listen to Him. You need to start telling yourself to listen to God rather than listening to all the wonderful things or awful things you think about yourself. I don't know where you sit out on that fence, but I guarantee you're on one side or the other. Either you're thinking about how horrible you are or you're thinking about how great you are. Or it could be that every hour it switches. That's fine, whichever one works, but stop listening to yourself and actually talk to yourself. Listen to God. Trust him. I need Jesus. Wait, 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 wait. Are you trusting yourself right now? You need to go trust Jesus. Talk to yourself. Don't just listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Here's a third, a practical tip. How do we humble ourselves and how do we conquer pride? Third, begin each phase of your day with gratitude. Mm -hmm. Begin each phase of your day with gratitude. Understand that gratitude and pride cannot occupy the same thought line. They can't occupy the same place in your mouth. What do you mean? I can't talk about how great God is and at the same time start talking about how great I am. I can't talk about how able God is and then talk about how I'm worthless. I have to have God and I can trust him. Here's a big question. What does God have to do to impress you? What does God have to do to finally get you to go, wow, I should trust him. He's done so much for you already. What more does he have to do? He's saved you. He's grown you in the Lord. For those of you who've been saved for a while, he's brought you to a good church where you can learn the Bible. He's blessed you day by day. What more does God have to do to impress you? We should be thankful for God. Remember, a man is never as strong as when he is on his knees. That is a position of strength because you're depending upon God. Lord, I need him. Understand that pride makes you the enemy of God. Where in James, notice with me, James four. 4 ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is, present tense, The enemy of God. Pride makes you the enemy of God because you're either depending on God and letting God work or you're in the way. You know, you could be in the way that by default makes you the enemy. We have to learn to trust in him, to depend upon him. (laughs) So we're talking about how do I humble myself And how do I conquer pride? We understand that we start off with our thoughts every day thinking about God. We stop listening to ourselves and start talking to ourselves. Stop listening about how great you are or how awful you are. And put your thoughts on how great God is and we need to trust him. Begin each phase of your day with gratitude. When I wake up in the morning, I should be thanking God. When I eat, I should thank God. When I go to work, I should thank God. When I leave work, I should thank God. When I go home, I should thank God. You should be starting every phase of your day with gratitude. Thank God for how great he is and what he's allowed you to have, what he's allowed you to do, where he's allowed you to be. Another practical thing is open your Bible and read it. Open your Bible and read it. You know, part of what happens when you open your Bible with the purpose of seeking after God is that you're stating your dependence upon God. Why are you reading your Bible? If it's just a checklist, then this doesn't count. But if you're opening your Bible and saying, Lord, I need you today. I need a nugget of truth. I need something from it. You understand if you seek after God, you will find him. God can tell you what you're going to face in your day through your Bible reading. You could read your Bible, just be reading normally, and God pop out something and said, guess what? You need to be prepared today. Someone's going to aggravate you. Later on, you find someone's aggravating you, but because God prepared you, you were able to depend upon God and not allow them to mess up your whole day. God can warn us. He could direct our path. When we open our Bible, he can give us, and it's telling, it is us saying, Lord, I need you. When we open up our Bibles and seeking God the way that we should, we are stating our dependence upon God. That's why it's such a dangerous thing not to be in your Bible every day. When you're not in your Bible every day, or you're not reading your Bible the way you want to, you're saying, I don't need God. I've got this. That is dangerous. That is starting off your day by showing pride. And it's just going to go downhill from there. Most of you have been saved and uh, following after God long enough. You can tell the days you didn't read your Bible. You could tell that it is more of a spiritual struggle. Why? Because you started off your day saying, I'm not trusting God. And it's just going to go downhill from there. What's another practical thing? Practice giving in. Practice giving in. What do we mean by this? Well, we just hit this principle not too long ago, but take the wrong. Remember, only by pride cometh forth contention. Whenever you're in an argument with someone, it's because of pride. Not their pride, by the way, it's your pride. Whenever you feel that temperature rise, that is pride. Not their pride, but your pride. Whenever you feel like you're in contention with someone, that's because of pride. And it's not their pride, it's your pride. Only by pride cometh forth contention. Practice giving in. Take the wrong. If you can't convince them, then why waste the time arguing with them? Be a peacemaker. Settle an argument. If you didn't do it at work, but they're going to blame you anyways, what can I do to make this right? Practice giving in. The thing about pride is that the pride... Hates for us to admit that we're wrong. No matter what type of pride you suffer through. All pride doesn't want to be wrong. Nobody wants to admit that they messed up. And nobody wants to admit. (laughs) That they're wrong for anything. And it's even worse when we're not wrong. When we are right. And our pride wants to dig in even more. And now we want everyone to know that we're right. And we want to vindicate and justify ourselves. Practice giving Remember, it's not humiliation we're looking for. It's dependence on God. But your pride gets stronger and stronger the more that it defends itself. Practice giving in. But I didn't do it. So what? But they're the ones that wrong. So what? Practice giving in. Remember, we're trying to get to the place where God helps us rather than resist us. Let God take care of them. He'll do a better job taking care of them than you ever could. Practice giving in. What's another idea? Reflect on the cross. Reflect on the cross. It is very hard to be humble when you're staring up at the cross and seeing Jesus who bled and died for us because of my sins. To realize that it was my sins that put him there. To realize that it was my sins that he bled and died for. You understand how awful sin is after we're saved? It's like looking at Jesus on the cross and when we refuse to obey, we refuse to submit. It's like going down to the mud that has been created because of the blood of Jesus dripping into the ground, taking that bloody mud, putting in our hands and slapping him across the face and said, I don't need you. That's how awful sin is compared to what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. When we realize what he has done for us and how much he loved us, it is very hard to be self-dependent when we see what a great God he was to die for us. And not just die, but to be buried and then rise again the third day to show he has victory over death, hell, and the grave. I'm on the winning side if I'm on his side to be on him to see all that he has done for us. What's another thing? This one's going to be a big one. All right, all of those other stuff is elementary. Let's get to the big leagues. If you really, really want to show humility and get rid of pride, you Ready? Give away your favorites. Give away your favorites. There's something that we always want to keep the best for ourselves. Give it away. Give it to God. Trust God. Let me give an example. I like books. I love books. You may not love books like I do, but I love books. Let's say that I have two copies of a book. And one of them's kind of bent and torn a little bit in the edge. I mean, it's still in good shape. And the other one's pristine and nice. And uh, I believe that I need to give a book to someone. You know what our normal response is? To keep the nice one. And give away the one that's usable. Bent a little bit. Well, well loved. Give away your favorites. Give your best out. Whether it's you're cutting a piece of cake for you and someone else, give them the best piece. Give away your favorites. That becomes hard. But when you give your best to the Lord, everything changes. Oftentimes, God gets our leftovers. Oftentimes, leftovers is what we just end up giving. I've had seen churches that have a missions closet. And the idea for a missions closet is that they have a closet of stuff that when missionaries come and they have a need, they're able to pick from that closet and fill their needs. The problem with having a missions closet is that it always has some math, uh, moth-ridden jacket into it or the shoes that have been worn out for a while. None of it's new. It's all used junk that they didn't want anymore. They cleaned out their closets and trying to give to a missionary. Ever give to a food pantry? Normally it's not our best. It's, ah, I don't want this. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't name brand green beans. I, don't, I don't want. We're used to giving not our best. We give what we don't want. But if you truly want to conquer pride and start understanding more about humility, give away your best. Whether it's your time. We give God our leftover time. Give him your best time. We like to give God our leftover money. Give him your best money. Give him your best energy. Instead of your leftover energy. Give him your best. Give away your best. Now. That's mature teaching, because immediately, if you're anything like me, again, I've told you I'm preaching myself, my pride hates that message there. Because as much as I'd like to portray an idea of humbleness, I want to take care of me first. And I don't have any problems giving away to something else, as long as I'm taken care of, as long as me first. My things are taken care of first, me first. But when you start giving away your favorites and dependence to God, you start to show humility and it really works on that pride because your pride is going to scream and kick and fight. Do it anyways. What else? You said you got more? Yeah. Humility is recognizing we need others. Humility is recognizing we need others. Part of the idea of pride, whether it's the good pride or bad pride, is both of those put you in a position where you don't think you need anybody else. Whether it's, I've got this, I don't need any help, I could do it myself. Or the idea is, oh, I'm too worthless. Oh, please don't help me out. I don't need it. I'm not worth it. Oh, you're just wasting your time on me. Humility is recognizing we need others. Let others help you. It is nothing but low down, awful, stinking, rotten pride when we refuse to let others help us out. Nothing like having someone that has a financial need and someone believes that God has told them to do it and they try to give it to them. No, no, I can't take this. Didn't you have a need? Why are you stopping God from helping you? Allow others to help you out. You're having a bad health day and someone wants to help. No, no, I can do it myself. They're trying to help. That's pride. Pride, for some reason, doesn't want anyone to help us out. I'm having a problem with a computer program and I can't get it to work. Hey, let me help you. I've got it. I could figure it out. So you're going to go waste all this time to go slam your head against it and watch a YouTube video to find, figure it out when you had someone to help you right then and there? We, we, we argue so much over petty things and we don't allow others to help, especially when God could have been sending those people to help us. Recognize we need others. There's not a single one of you who are strong enough physically, mentally, spiritually, and any other way that you could survive life all by yourself. Every single one of us need others. Every single one of us. By the way, part of recognizing that we need others is having others around us who will be honest with us and tell us things that we need to help us out. Hey, you know what? You got green in your teeth. Go fix that. Thank you. There's people with so much pride. They can't be wrong about anything. And so if they missed a button, they just lose it. No, no, no. I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And they don't allow anyone to help them. They just refuse to be wrong. One last thing. Give yourself a cause that only God can do. If you want to keep yourself humble, give yourself to a cause that only God can get accomplished. Like reaching the world with the gospel. Like reaching Green Bay for the gospel. Lord, with your help, I want to go reach as many people with Green Bay. And I know that's impossible for me, but I'm going to do it. Give yourself a purpose. I want to see personally, me personally disciple 25 people over my life. That's an impossible goal, but I want to give yourself that only God can do. With Lord helping me and Lord doing it, God, I know it sounds impossible, but I would like to give $100,000 to missions by the time I die. Give yourself something that only God can get accomplished. So you have to trust in him. Don't give yourself a pathetic goal that you can get accomplished by yourself. Give yourself an impossible goal that will honor the Lord that you have to trust God for. Get out onto the limb with no net and trust him. Give yourself a purpose, a cause. David said, is there not a cause? Do you have something that you could give your life to? Give yourself to a cause to. Give yourself where you are going to put your life to seeing accomplished That's impossible that only God can do. You'll find that in order to get that accomplished, you're going to have to really depend upon God and not yourself. And that will help out quite a bit. Is there not a cause? Now, without a doubt, there's something in that list that I gave you that is for you. Now, there may be two or three of those things. What I'm asking you, what is that one thing that you need to work on? One thing. Maybe some of you just need to make a decision that every morning you on purpose are going to put your dependence upon God. On purpose, you're going to start your morning thinking about God. Maybe you need to get to the place where you know that you talk about yourself all the time and you need to stop that. Maybe it's an idea that you need to make a decision that you are going to be, give thanks for every area of your life or every phase of your life every day and you're going to do it on purpose. Maybe some of you just need to get back to reading your Bible. That's the decision you need to make. Maybe some of you need to practice giving in. You know that you want to win an argument. You're just, you're just dead set. You have to have the last word. Maybe that's the decision, Lord. Lord. I need to give in. Maybe it's an idea that you think how great you are. Maybe you need to spend more time studying about the cross, thinking about the cross, thinking about what Jesus did. Give yourself to that. Maybe some of you need to start learning to give away your favorites. You know that you're the type of person to keep on your favorite thing. You want them and you won't give those away. Those are yours. Maybe you're a person that doesn't need others. That's what you need to work on. Allowing others to help you. You don't have to do it all yourself. Or maybe some of you are at the mature level. That's what you need to do is to give yourself a cause. What is it that you're going to give your life to that only God can get accomplished? That only God can do? The thing that you have to depend upon him for.